Welcome to Business Rules with Peter Feinstein. Now put aside everything you think you know about business practices today and stay right here for the next hour as you're sure to find some surprises and wisdom to help you play the business game right. Now, here is your host, Peter Feinstein. Welcome to Business Rules with Peter Feinstein, another week where we get a guest to come in and talk to us and tell us and share with us and entertain us and inform us about all of the cool stuff they're doing with the rules of business. Sometimes they make them, sometimes they break them, sometimes they bend them. Um, the ones that I like best, though, they're the ones that see what's going on and they end up rewriting them. And uh, and those are always uh, some of the most fun interviews that I've uh, that I've had on the show. Um, you know, if you've ever been afraid of losing out on business because you don't seem to know or understand what the rules are, this is the place where you find them. Uh, each week, I have a guest or guests who have not only spent time talking the talk, but even more importantly, they spend time walking the walk. And it's actually a pretty big deal. Um, this week's guest is no different. Um, Christopher George is uh, is a gentleman who has done really an astonishing amount of things in a pretty short period of time. Uh, Chris is of the Subscription Trade Association, also known as SUBTA, S-U-B-T-A. Um, I would I would describe Chris as a serial entrepreneur. He launched his first company when he was just 21 years old. In 2014, Chris co-founded the Gentleman's Box, a leading subscription uh, in the men's accessories area. In his role, Chris is passionate about sharing his knowledge of the subscription industry from box curation to churn and retention. And if those words, some of them are uh, foreign to you, they won't be by the time we get finished talking about them and, uh, and Chris sharing some of his experience and insights on them. As a result of everything that Chris does, um, he's positioned himself as a thought leader in the subscription world, co-founding the world's first and largest subscription box summit with Subta. So uh, you know a little bit about Chris, and, uh, and we'll talk with him in just a minute. Um, but to give you a little bit more insight into today's show, um, you know, I got, to be, I got to be thinking to myself, it's like, I wonder how many people who tune in um, really have any idea or even have wondered perhaps about how the subscription box services work. So these people, and, and Chris uses this information and actually uses this word in his, uh, in, in his biography, which is kind of cool. They curate, they take care of us by uh, providing and, um, and uh, offering us um, specific and really rather amazing products. Some of them are monthly, some of them are quarterly, um, but what they do is they make them so appealing, you keep coming back for them um, time and time again. Um, I have a couple of subscriptions myself and I can tell you it's an amazing process and so very cool. Um, what Chris is going to share with us during the course of the show today is how the rules of the industry have shifted in really just the brief time. Um, as I said, Chris is from Gentleman's Box and the Subscription Trade Association, and uh, he's going to give us some insight in the experience that he has in designing um, increased retention programs and some of the other, uh, I guess I would call them key performance indicators that he uses to measure the effectiveness in the subscription space. Understanding how to build a um, build out a save a sale tactic and building an amazing customer experience 
is what I know Chris holds near and dear to his heart for uh, for making a um, a successful and it's actually critical and crucial to the success of of any subscription program. Having a handle on this process allows for us to build on customer lifetime value, and that's really the the core of what today's show is all about. Chris, welcome to Business Rules. Hi, Peter. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. It's it's my distinct pleasure. So um, every time I have a guest on the show, um, I, I kind of hesitate in jumping into uh, just, you know, the, the story and getting it in um, and, and, and really focusing in on the, on the, on the meat of the, uh, of the, the subject before, uh, I do anything rather, I prefer that we spend a little bit of time talking a little bit about who you are and your background and, um, and where you've come from. Um, so I've given, I've given people listening a sense of, of kind of, you know, who you are in the present and some of the things that you hold near and dear and have as a mission for you to accomplish on a day-to-day basis. Um, but uh, let's let's have a quick opening story from you that takes us back a few years, okay? So we have a sense of, of Chris, and, and actually, let me ask you, do you prefer Christopher or Chris? You know, Chris Chris is absolutely fine. <laughs> yeah, no you know what? And you know, to really break the ice, it's like, yeah, Peter call people call me Peter, and it's like, okay, that feels really good. Anybody except my mom and my older sister, or actually even my younger sister, if and anybody else calls me Pete, it's like fingernails on a chalkboard <laughs> to me. And I don't know why that yeah. is. It's, a, it's more the opposite. If my mom, my wife are saying Christopher, then there's uh, a problem, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's the opposite for me. It's Chris is normal. And if they say Christopher, then I'm in some sort of trouble. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's too funny. So, so you prefer Chris and that's cool. So taking a look back, what were you like in high school? Wow. Oh, high school, man. Yeah, you know, see, that all feels like forever ago. You know, I um, it's funny. I was a, I was a big athlete, so I I was uh, I played football, I played hockey, I was captain of the hockey team, and uh, it was varsity hockey as a freshman in high school. But I was also like this geek at heart. So while I was like this major jock, I like loved comics and the comic heroes and all the comic movies. So I had a, a wide group of friends, uh, everything from like the, the, the smart kids to the, to the, the uh, athletes and that. So it was, that's kind of how it was. Gotcha. So it's really kind of run the gamut for you. Where did you go to school? Uh, I went to a school called Andover in Bloomfield Hills, Michigan. Oh, okay. Wow. So yeah, hockey is uh, hockey is a pretty big deal because you're Andover. Now, is that up near the border? It is, yeah. So, you know, we're like 20 minutes north of Detroit. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, north of Detroit. So, you know, and, and Michigan is in Detroit's hockey town, and Michigan's a big state for hockey. So I just have played my whole life. And, for sure. Uh, you know, I still play. You know, I'm a lot slower now and older, but um, <laughs> I, I, I think I'm smarter than I used to be. So, I, you know, it kind of balances it out. But it's a lot of fun. Something to kind of keep me in shape while I'm working, you know, nonstop. Oh, yeah. I mean, because, you know, hockey skaters have got to be some of the most well-conditioned athletes out there. Um, I think they they 
they get short shrift except for people who really understand the sport. Same thing kind of with soccer. Right. Yeah, like, absolutely. I mean, it's funny. You, I think mean, there's a saying, I don't know who said it, but like you've got, um, you're trying to skate on a like quarter inch piece of metal while uh, skating on a slippery surface, which is ice, while holding a hockey stick, trying to play with a puck while there's five other guys trying to kill you with their hockey stick, right? So <laughs> it's, it's, it's definitely a, uh, it's a hard sport and, and takes a lot of athletic individuals. I, I think that they're probably the most athletic guys out there, those, those hockey players. Yeah, I'll tell you, it is not for the faint of heart. I love hockey. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I just, I just adore it. So let's jump ahead a little bit because we've got yeah. a sense of of where you are in the present, and we've got something that takes us back several years. Um, let's, you know, not necessarily to the present, but so for the most recent job that you had before um, striking out on your own, um, if you even had that kind of a situation. Um, what would what advice would you give to your most recent boss? My most recent boss. Wow. So I, I mean, I was the the job before I went on my own. I uh, I work at Circuit City, so I don't know if you're familiar with it, but I, it, I, I am. Okay, so it was like a competitor to Best Buy, and right. I was actually 19. I was the youngest supervisor in the company, um, and. It was interesting. The difference between Circuit City and Best Buy was Circuit City was on a commission structure. So, like, for me, I was 19, and I was getting a percentage of every sale. I was literally, like, hustling like crazy. Um, my friends were, you know, away at State and U of M, and I was going to uh, Oakland University, which was a local college. And so I was working at the same time, and um, I, I loved it because I was getting commissioned. So I literally would take, like, 10-minute lunches because I thought I'd miss out on a big sale. And my most recent boss, I mean, he was good. I mean, he was, he kind of let me sell. Um, the advice I'd give my most recent boss would be identifying a way to keep the idea of team involved with employees because we were all commissioned, right? So then there'd be like arguments and this was my sale and this customer left and came back <laughs> and potentially putting something together where it was more like team oriented or way to split commissions to kind of avoid some of that controversy. For me, it was hard. I was young and there were some guys that had been doing this for a living and I was, you know, I was running around trying to sell everything. I was in the computer department, but if they wanted a TV, I would walk them over the TV department and then the TV guys would get mad. So, um, you know, I think he did a good job of maybe coming up with a way to, like, you know, uh, take away some of that tension and build team within a group of guys that are getting paid on commission. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's sound advice, or at least uh, at least um, a sound suggestion. Um, yeah, I mean, I think every business like team is important, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. It, it is. It is essential. If you don't have a home team then it's uh, right. it's really hard to have trust. And if you can't have trust, then how are you going to get anything accomplished? Right. And like I here at the office now, you know, culture is so important to me. So I probably spend a good 10 to 15 percent of my week thinking about how to continue to build the culture. And yep. it's like a football team, right? Like that's the one sport where like every individual player on that 11 guys that are on the field, they all have to do their part or the play won't happen. Right? Like nobody can do it on their own. Like in hockey, a guy could really go the whole ice and score and basketball, you know, LeBron James could take over as he does and score and win the game. 
Um, <laughs> in baseball, the batter could hit a home run and win the game. But like in hockey, like that quarterback's not throwing the ball unless the center gives it to him right. The quarterback's not throwing a touchdown pass unless the receiver catches it, right? And and the blockers aren't going to give have to give the quarterback time to throw the ball. So like it all is like one unit. And so I try to kind of compare some of those analogies to our inside business where like everybody on this team is on a level playing field and we all need each other and we're all just as important to each other. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's, you know, team and culture is so important. That's very cool. Let's, I mean, let's, let's just take the bull by the horns. Yeah. How did you get your start in this industry? where did you come from that led you here? Yeah. So, um, my first business when I was 21 was a collection agency, uh, ironically. So I went from, uh, calling people to collect money to now providing them with a service, which they're actually happy to pay for. But, um, <laughs> I, you know, I always wanted to be self-employed and, um, I saw an opportunity in collections. I was good at it. it, it you know, sales and collections kind of go hand in hand. You go from like selling somebody something to then convincing them why they need to pay a, an outstanding balance. Right. Um, and when I was 20, I don't know, six or seven, I knew that the internet and e-commerce was like the way for a future, it was the way to scale large business. Um, and so I got into um, wholesaling products online in the health and beauty category. And so I had some success with that. I still had that business. Um, and then someone approached me about starting a subscription box for men, for men's grooming products. And it happened to be my wife's first cousin. Uh, this was three, four years ago. At that time, there wasn't as many boxes. Birch box was flying. And right. it was mainly targeted towards women. So he said, I want to have this men's box where we have men's grooming products. So doing my due diligence, I, I saw like subscriptions, while they had always been around, right? There was always the CD of the month and the Columbia House and the wine club. Oh, yeah. And I started to see that uh, e-commerce was moving towards this subscription. And so I was intrigued by it. I did a little bit of research and I said, hey. You know, guys don't want samples of grooming products. Let's get them like things that they'll keep and that are tangible. Let's give them ties. Let's give them socks. And that's when we launched the gentleman's box. And, um, I, you know, I was always keen on the subscription space. And, and so we went for it. And we launched November of 2014. Uh, we built an early relationship with GQ. Um, and this is kind of a funny story behind that. Uh, and that's kind of like from there it took off, right? So um, I don't do I'm going to dive into the GQ story because it's kind of cool because we were just a startup and trying to build a relationship with a billion-dollar Condé Nast business. Um, <laughs> I, I do want us to go there, but I don't want us to go there uh, right now because we're going to hit up a break, and I don't want you to have to rush through anything. So instead, let's take the next minute or so and Give people who are listening an opportunity to um, hear a couple of places that they might find you online. So, I mean, let's let's run over on some of your some of your social media and online presence. Yeah, so you you, um, you can search uh, Christopher George on LinkedIn. Um, I, I don't know if there'll be a link to these about uh, you know after the event or associated with the podcast, but uh, if you search Christopher, will be, yes. Okay, good. So you, you'll see me on LinkedIn uh, on Facebook. You can find me at CM George Nine. Also, too, if you were just to Google Christopher George subscription, uh, you will see a ton of uh, articles that will come up. Um, and, you know, I'm pretty active on Instagram, which is CMGeorge87. 
and then CM George Nine on Snapchat, which I'm, I'm I, mostly those Snapchats are of my dogs because I love animals and I have a, <laughs> I have like a zoo at my house. But um, yeah, ton of articles if you just subscription Christopher George subscription box. Uh, there's ironically another Christopher George that was a famous actor that lived in Royal was born in Royal Oak, Michigan, which is where I live now. Wow. Uh, and he's born February 25th, and my birthday is February 26th. It's really weird, but. Wow. Uh, yeah, so that's he, he, wild. Yeah, it, it really is wild. <laughs> and he died the year November of '83, and I was born in '84. It's oh like really, goodness. yeah, that's wild. Yeah. That takes us to our break. So we're going to okay. stop here for just a couple of minutes and uh, do a little bit of business. And when we yep. come back, we're going to have you talk a little bit about building the relationship with GQ and yeah. some of the challenges you hit. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back in two minutes. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com What if you could save 55% or more on your TV advertising? We're Higher Power Marketing, and we can probably save you at least 55% on your TV ad buys. Don't believe me? That's okay. Just go to hpowermarketing.com and see and hear real success stories from real clients. Then ask us to show you how we can save you money, too. Go to hpowermarketing.com. That's hpowermarketing.com. Exceptional media for less. That's hpowermarketing.com. If you think half of your company's advertising is working, but you're not sure which half, we can help. We're Higher Power Marketing, and we help our clients identify which advertising works and which is wasting their money. And then we fix what's broken so they can get more bang from their advertising buck. If you're not sure which half of your advertising is working, call Higher Power Marketing for help at 800-300-9124. That's 800-300-9124. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel, voiceamericaempowerment.com. You're tuned in to Business Rules with Peter Feinstein. 
Reach out to us with questions and comments at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or connect with Peter via email. The address is businessrules at hpowermarketing.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Business Rules with Peter Feinstein. My guest today, Chris George from Subta. Okay, it's not as it's it's not as weird as it sounds. It's actually the subscription trade industry and uh, trade association. Sorry about that. And um, and gentlemen's box. Um, before the break, Chris was sharing with us a number of things, um, but he talked about getting this his start with gentlemen's box, and um, he asked me a question, which I said, "Yeah, we'll do that as soon as we get back from the break." And that was, "Do you want to know?" how we developed our our relationship with GQ magazine. And I said, yeah, let's do that. So rather than dork around and tread water, Chris, tell us about how you guys developed your relationship with this $2 billion magazine company. Yeah. So, um, you know, we had just been starting out. We had this great concept that we thought. And um, one thing to, to understand was we were two guys with an idea a landing page and we we when we were sitting in my basement we were going through the box and we said there was a GQ magazine on my coffee table and I said man it'd be amazing if we could give all our readers GQ magazine along with a subscription so the idea was read about the latest fashion and then get it in the box so we're like okay let's reach out to GQ and mind you this is like David versus Goliath right like <laughs> small guy like no business yet no subscribers trying to convince GQ that we want to give all our subscribers a subscription to GQ. Sure. Uh, I built all my businesses on like pure hustle uh, without raising any money. I, every business I've had, I've built into multi-million dollar businesses with, with like very low starting money. Um, big part of it was I didn't, didn't have anybody to give me a ton. And um, I just, I, I felt more comfortable always building a business knowing that like every dollar mattered. Right. And if you were to raise a million dollars, sometimes you can spend wildly. So, yeah. you know, being scrappy and hustle is like comes like that's in my heart and it's like in my core. So I remember part of it was, OK, let's reach out to somebody at GQ. So we start we're checking on LinkedIn. We reach out to a couple of people. And of course, no response. I get it. Two guys from some company called Gentleman's Box that have a landing page. So um, <laughs> I told my partner, I said, hey. Email a hundred people from Condé Nast until somebody responds. I think it was like the seventy-fifth or eighty-eighth person that we reached out to. If somebody <laughs> responded. Um, her name was Cindy. I'll never forget. And she had an office in Troy, Michigan. They have a main office in New York, but she worked in the Troy office. She said, "Hey, come on by." So we go there, literally with like a cardboard box with accessories we bought from Nordstrom's, <laughs> and like these business cards that we had made, and we're sitting in the room with her, and we're pitching her, and and she loves it. She's like, "This is amazing," you know. I'm gonna send it to New York. Okay, so <laughs> you know, we leave that meeting, we're we're excited, and um, so we have a meeting with 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 Kanye's partnership team in New York, and while they loved the idea, they saw the synergies. They were just like you guys have nobody like you don't have any subscribers like <laughs> how are we going to do business with you so you know they're like call us in a year and we hang up and i remember i'm talking to my partner i'm like you know what like i need to call them back i was like screw this like i'm gonna get these guys to jump on this because one we wanted a brand association right like we're the brand association of gq as a partner like it helps right especially when we're starting out so sure 
um, I called Cunning asked back, and I told them that I had 500 pre-orders, which was not the truth. <laughs> and I told them that if I didn't sell 1,000 subscriptions in three months, that I'd buy 1,000 subscriptions. Oh, my gosh. And uh, they said, okay. And <laughs> I think it took us five months, but we got there. Right. And so like we just hustled and they, they, they said, okay. And now today we, we've given them over a hundred thousand subscribers to GQ magazine, more wow. than 10% of their current subscriber base. And you, you guys have uh, the, the single largest source of driving subscription sales for them. Yeah. I don't, you know, maybe I don't know if it's the largest, but we, uh, Probably, I don't know. I, you know, I don't know all their sources. Probably the cheapest source, right? I mean, they're just getting free people. So, you know, um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I think the the partnership. We went from being like a speck of salt on their map to like maybe the size of a quarter. I don't know. Um, you know, so we've been advantageous, and the the partnership's been good, and we've been able to been able to provide our readers with uh, an amazing brand and magazine for free, included with their subscription. Wow. Um, and, uh, yeah, that kind of got us to where we, we are now and, and helped us grow. And, uh, that, that kind of helped jumpstart the business. And from there, we've just been able to build it. And what led to the, the you know, the gentleman's box was really the catalyst to the subscription summit and the, and the trade association. Um, we realized it was early 2016 and I wanted to go to an event to network, build our business. And I noticed nothing was out there. So, like three scrappy entrepreneurs, we said, hey, let's host the first ever subscription summit. And <laughs> we said, we're going to do it in Detroit. So we did it. And I remember um, it was 30 days from the event. We have like 50 people <laughs> bought tickets. And yep. sitting outside, I, I'm like extremely stressed. And I'm like telling my partner, I'm like, guys, we're like throwing a party. And we don't know if anybody's going to show up. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> I get an email that day at four o'clock that said that confirmed that Katya, the CEO of Birchbox is going to come speak. And it was like music to our ears. We were wow. just like so excited. We were then able to promote the fact that she was going to be a speaker. And then, you know, it, it ended up where, you know, we had uh, Michael from FabFitFun, the co-founder of FabFitFun. He came and we were able to get right around 200 attendees to Detroit for the event it was a huge success. Um, fast forward to last June in the, uh, Austin, uh, we sell out of tickets. We have over 40 speakers, over 35 partners. And now coming into Denver, which is the end of this month, we're going to have over 700 people there, over 70 speakers. We've got a whole exhibitor hall with 70 exhibitors. Wow. So it's just like grown to this enormous thing that's even bigger than uh, the gentleman's box has become. That's tremendous. That is just, that is so super and such a great story. Um, not only, I mean, it's just not only this, the, 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 uh, the nearly instant critical mass behind Subta, um, but all the work that you put into uh, the gentleman's box that was really kind of the, uh, the germ of the idea or the germ that led to the idea of, uh, of creating Subta. Do you think that, um, that the work that you did in getting GQ was the uh, was the hardest thing that you did or that you encountered um, in starting Gentleman's Box, or was there something that was even even a bigger challenge? No, I mean, 
No, because we were fortunate that what I, what I called back, it worked, right? So, you know, that wasn't, it wasn't a make or break situation. I think it helped. Um, um, magazines are tough now, right? Yeah. Magazines are like a dying business. Like the subscription box, in my opinion, is a, is like the new magazine. So, um, I don't, that wasn't the toughest. I don't think that would have made or broke us. It helped, but, um, you know, it's not a core part of our business. I, our, our subscribers are signing up because they want the box. They're not, the, the, the magazine doesn't push them over the edge. Right. Sure. But it's a nice little bonus. Right. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, this day's magazine companies are giving away subscriptions left and right. So it's not like, you know, the big perk, but, um, the biggest hurdle for the business, look at there's in the subscription space, Outside of really important things like customer experience and customer acquisition, uh, there's things like inventory management that make things very difficult. There was a time, end of 16, where we had like 150 or $200,000 in inventory, and like I would literally walk into my warehouse and have a heart attack. I was like, uh. like, why do we have all this? And, it, and part of it's like predictability and knowing how much to order and making sure you have enough for your subscribers. and. Inventory management is something that's very difficult early on, as well as cash flow management, right? You are, you're getting, you're buying inventory for subscribers that are renewing in the following months, um, being able to understand cash flow during seasonality, uh, being prepared for prepaid, right? You've got a lot of people that are buying annual subscriptions or buying three month gifts or six month gifts, and you're getting yep. that money up front, and you've got to make sure that you're managing your cash flow properly because you've got to be able to supply them for, with boxes for the next six months to a year. Right, exactly. So, you know, um, those were some things we had to overcome was managing our cash flow and managing our inventory. I would say are two two very big struggles that I, I would bet that every subscription box entrepreneur would tell you they had to deal with. Yeah, you know, someone I hear that and I think to myself, yeah, you know what? It's 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 the same in non-hard goods as it is in in actual products. Because on our side of things, as um, as an advertising agency, we deal with the same kind of things, but we deal with it um, from stuff that is less tangible. Uh, we do it from either airtime um, or space, depending upon uh, on the medium that we're that we're working in, uh, relative to uh, what our client needs are. And also, you know, to client, um, gosh, cl client pacing on spending, and all kinds of stuff like that. And those are those are consistent challenges that uh, that really don't ever go away. Um, right. It's just one of those things where you get into a flow and you get into a rhythm, and it's something where that it, it just becomes a lot more uh, a lot more predictable and a lot more understandable than being something where you just kind of go uh, go off, you know like you don't know what you're doing. So I, I, I completely get that. So let's kind of, um, again, you know, kind of sidestep and shift and talk now, um, back to the association. So, you know, taking a look at, at the key challenges that you've had, uh, in gentlemen's box and overcoming them and, and, and finding ways, you know, to address them and, and grow with them. Um, what was the most challenging thing uh, about starting the association? Now, I know you had mentioned that, you know, you're a few weeks out and you've got 50 people signed up and no speakers. Um, but, you know, I mean, take us take us through what happened before that even and the things that you ran into where you were like, man, I just don't know that this is going to happen. But it did. Yeah. So one thing is the, we kind of did this backwards. We started the association after the summit had already launched. So we didn't launch Subta until last June. 
So we actually did the summit first, and then we saw uh, we were like, okay, okay, we need to find a way to continue the community and the networking outside of the annual event. So gotcha. we launched up to last year, which made that easier to launch. But that had its own struggles for sure. I think in the in the in the beginning of launching the summit, I mean, we were three guys that had no event experience. Um, I had happened to host a, a smaller event um, in the collection industry. I was president of the Michigan Association of Collection Agencies, and so I had to host an event. So I, I put one together on a smaller scale, but nothing to to this kind of sort of mass and. I don't know that there were the, the biggest struggle was making sure people got there, you know, at selling sponsorships. It was like the chicken and the egg, like the sponsors want to see attendees and the <laughs> attendees want to see sponsors and the t- sponsors are like, Hey, let me see the attendee list. And you're trying to delay them. And you know, like, cause you're trying to get people. So the, 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 the biggest struggle, and it's always like that is, is that you, you start to panic when you're 30 days out because you think you should have more ticket sales. The reality of it is, is people procrastinate. And so like, a half of our ticket sales come in the last three to four weeks. But it's the same thing we're doing now. Like we're panicking now. We do this every year. We're like, we don't have enough ticket sales. Like what do we need to do to move the needle? And then they just come in the last three to four weeks. It's just because people wait and they like to be last minute. And I get it. Um, I don't hardly remember the last time I signed up for an event months ahead of time. I always do it a few weeks before the event. I buy my ticket, I get my flight booked and I get out there. So, um, you know, initially, it was that was the struggle really was just making sure we had enough people there and it was a lot of hustle it was a lot of calling and individual calling and letting people understand like we were building this event to build a community in the space and and letting them know our story that this event is put together for entrepreneurs like yourself and new entrepreneurs in the subscription box space to be able to go somewhere and build relationships and network and build their business so you know Telling our story, getting those that are coming to tell our story, getting our sponsors to tell our story is really what helps move the needle and get the attendance that we need for the event. For sure. I think it makes perfect sense. And it sounds actually, it sounds more logical than you would think about it in terms of just, you know, A, B, C, D, E, F, G type of thing. But it makes perfect sense when you talk about it. Yep. So, and let's shift back again to gentlemen's box because yep. um, some of the things you, you used a couple of terms um, about high churn and inventory control and yep. um, and losing sales. Give us a sense. I mean, what kind of insider tips do you have for anybody uh, for the startup entrepreneur who's concerned about losing sales? What can they do to save a sale? Yeah. So retention is a big part of the subscription space. And I think that it's starting to come into fruition more now than ever. Um, people are, people are, uh, they're so focused on acquisition and, you know, now the, the trend is starting to, the trend is, is starting to change and, and understanding like, look, it doesn't matter if you get a thousand new subscribers this month, if, if 950 are going to leave after one or two months, right? So building an amazing customer experience helps reduce churn. Having an amazing retention process helps reduce churn. So for example, um, we shifted from letting our customers go online and cancel to they have to call to cancel, right? And, you know, if it, from the outsider looking in, you're like, oh, God, like, this is going to be annoying for the customer. We're going to get so many complaints. But it's, it's not like that. It, it all depends on how you approach it, right? So when the customer calls us, this isn't a hard sell. This isn't us trying to be salespeople trying to stop you from canceling. It's more of, hey, 
thank you so much for being a valued member. Uh, we'd like to just show you some other opportunities we have that you may be interested in. For example, we've got a sock of the month club. So our members that get the box every month, they love getting the socks. So we're talking to them saying, hey, what was your favorite product in the box? Thank you so much yeah. for being a member. They say we love the socks. Hey, sure. by the way, do you know we've got a sock of the month club for $12 a month? Not like, oh, okay, I don't want the 25. I'll still stay on as a member for the sock of the month club. Sure. So now we've retained that customer. We've increased LTV. Um, it's, it's basically letting them know there's options. Like you don't just have to cancel. Maybe you don't want the box every month because we talked about this product fatigue. Well, let's get you on our quarterly plan. It's $25 every three months. So now you're getting the box four times a year. It's not hitting your bank every single month, but you're still getting some cool products every three months. Yeah, I, I really like that. I mean, it's something where you take what is essentially a lemon and uh, and you you know you you look at it, you squeeze it, you see where where the pain points are, and you find where there's where there's some ripeness and yeah. sweetness, and you make lemonade out of it. Perfect. I really like that. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back yep. in two minutes, and when we do, we're going to talk a little bit more about retention and about LTV and yep. um, and a couple of other things that will uh, that will help us cap off the show. But you know what? I'm having a great time. We'll be back in two minutes, so sit tight. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. What if you could save 55% or more on your TV advertising? We're Higher Power Marketing, and we can probably save you at least 55% on your TV ad buys. Don't believe me? That's okay. Just go to hpowermarketing.com and see and hear real success stories from real clients. Then ask us to show you how we can save you money, too. Go to hpowermarketing.com. That's hpowermarketing.com. Exceptional media for less. That's hpowermarketing.com. If you think half of your company's advertising is working, but you're not sure which half, we can help. We're Higher Power Marketing, and we help our clients identify which advertising works and which is wasting their money. And then we fix what's broken so they can get more bang from their advertising buck. If you're not sure which half of your advertising is working, call Higher Power Marketing for help at 800 800- 300-9124. That's 800-300-9124. Become a member of voiceamerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit voiceamerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You're tuned in to Business Rules with Peter Feinstein. Reach out to us with questions and comments at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or connect with Peter via email. The address is businessrules at hpowermarketing.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Business Rules with Peter Feinstein. We've been speaking with... 
Chris George of the Gentleman's Box and Subta, which is the Subscription Trade Association. We've gotten some great insider tips. Uh, you know, one of the stellar ones is um, how to uh, how to save a sale, and uh, and you know, it's it's you know, as Chris mentioned, it's not all about um, generating the initial interest. It's about retaining clients and uh, and making sure that you were able to walk them through the process of uh, seeing the benefit to whatever it is they're getting and, you know, kind of shining a light on that instead of letting people just walk away and not remembering their positive experiences along the way. And that's, I think, been been really key to your success. You have a just an innate understanding of, uh, of generating and having people tell their own story and persuade themselves for sticking around. And I think that's a, a huge nugget that uh, startup entrepreneurs and those especially in the subscription space will be smart to take you up on because I think that's, uh, that's a, 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 just a huge difference maker. One of the things in the story that you mentioned um, about uh, you know, saving a sale, you had talked about monthly and quarterly, and you know I think there are a lot of people in the subscription space who automatically default to monthly, and, and actually in, in some, it's weekly. Um, quarterly, I think, is, uh, is something that isn't as nearly as, um, as popular or yeah. as, as well understood. Give us some insight. And, and you know what? And I'm not going to ask you to be objective. I want you to put your opinion into this and your experience so that yeah. there's, there's some real relevance to it. Talk about quarterly and versus monthly preferences. You know, what's, yep. what's the ups and downs? Absolutely. So, and a big part of this, you know, in the subscription space, there's really two types of subscriptions. You've got the the necessity subscription, like the depleting product, for example, like the Dollar Shave Club, right, where it's something that you need to get every single month. And it makes sense because it's filling a void of, like, I don't need to go to the store and get a razor. Like, I don't need to get a new one. Like, they're going to deliver it every month, and I need it to come because I need to shave. So when it's a depleting product like that or, like, a Quip, which is a toothbrush subscription – like, it makes sense that these things are coming monthly. Um, on the curational side, which is where the gentleman's box falls into, uh, there is the, you know, people are canceling for three, one of, th uh, I'm sorry, they're canceling for three reasons. One of the reasons being uh, they can't afford it. Number two, they're getting product fatigue, so they have too many items. Or three, they just don't like it. So when you have a quarterly option, which is we've pivoted to this and we've introduced what's called our gentleman's box premium subscription. And instead of being $25 a month, it's a hundred dollars a quarter. I'll dive into why we, we, we've decided to go, we've introduced this, this new product and why we love it. But the thing about quarterly is one, if they can't afford it, 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 it then moves them to where they're paying it every three months instead of every month. Right. Sure. Now it's like, Hey, it's costing you $7 a month or whatever the case may be on a $25 a quarter basis. Number two, there's no excuse for the product fatigue. They're not getting it every month. They're not going to have 12 ties. They're going to have four. They're going to have four pairs of socks. So um, it kind of helps to try to combat those two excuses for canceling and you're potentially moving the subscriber to one of the to this model and you're saving them and increasing LTV. Um, we've introduced the premium quarterly as a product that you can purchase new. Um, the Quarterly Classic, which is our $25 a month but renewed quarterly, isn't something we offer to a new subscriber. It's strictly a save-a-sale tactic. Um, but what, I, what we've learned from the premium quarterly and why I love it and why I'm super bullish on quarterly, especially in the curational space, is one, again, 
it's it's not something that comes every month, so they're not getting bored of it. They're not getting too many items. They still have that excitement level that it's going to come, and it's a premium product, so we're putting higher quality items. Uh, we're seeing that there's less churn. The customer that we're acquiring is a higher quality customer. It's somebody with more discretionary income, so they're less likely to cancel. Yep. So, and we're getting 100 every three months, so it's 33 a month, really. It's a higher-valued customer than our monthly. It drives in more profitability and more revenue than our monthly, and it's got less churn uh, than our monthly. So like, in every touch point for the business, it's better. Well, yeah, um, I mean, you have you have, um, literally so, have one one third or one, yeah, one third or one quarter as many opportunities to to generate churn. So it's you know it's on the surface of it, exactly. it's in, it's instantly yes. less labor intensive. Oh yeah, you're curating four boxes a year instead of twelve, and <laughs> and like your customer look at, look up like. Probably in the industry, I don't have an, an actual statistic statistic value for industry standard, but I would be willing to bet, uh, based on our data and what I've seen with other box companies, that they are losing anywhere from thirty to forty percent of their subscribers after a month uh, between month one and month two, right? Yeah. My quarterly subscribers automatically on for three, and now when they renew again, now they're on for six. So where we've seen that we've lost right around sixty percent of our members after six months um on the quarterly side we we have over 70 percent still on after six months so yeah, it's almost see, like a flip yeah that's huge yes right absolutely huge um and higher ltv higher profitability like everything across the board i mean look at FabFitFun is a quarterly business they're a quarterly model and they are one of the leaders if not the leader in the space and it makes perfect sense i mean they're they're curating four boxes a year. They've, they've, they've got a target market that has this amazing community where they're just, you know, like their members have like unboxing parties where they're getting together and opening their box together. Hey, like, look <laughs> what you've done. Like, you've got people. You're sending people a product where they're getting together to open it. Yep. It's the same thing when like Game of Thrones comes out, right? Like everybody gets together, <laughs> they watch it. Like it's Sunday night tradition. Like that's the effect they've caused. So. It's it's amazing. It's community building, and and you know they're releasing one every quarter, and they have an amazing business model. So, I'm super bullish on uh, uh, quarterly when it comes to curational products, and I really think it's the future of subscription. I think you you get a better customer, a higher quality customer, and you're still going to have those that want your monthly. Like we're never going to get rid of our monthly classic. Uh, I think it's a gateway. Too right, so people get the classic, they like it, and then we're 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 then upselling them to the quarterly model. Right, right. I I've got to believe. I mean, there was something that you mentioned in there as one of the three reasons people um, people bail, and one of them was that um, product fatigue. I think is is yep. what you had mentioned, and I'm thinking to myself, it's like, yeah, you know what? There's only so much of one thing that I can get repeatedly. Yep. And and not just be like, you know what, I'm so done with this. But right. a quarterly thing, it's something where if I've got even a remote interest in it, by the time, you know, two and a half months has gone by and I'm cruising up for my next one, it's like, I'm looking forward to this thing. It's like, right. I'm look, I'm, I'm waiting for my box. Yep. Yep. And I've, I've got to believe that that's, that's the mentality, which completely disarms and defeats one of the, the key impediments to yep. retention, which is, you know, product fatigue. So all of a sudden you've turned a weakness into actually a champion 
uh, on your behalf for extending the lifetime value of a, of a customer? One, one thing to keep in mind is it's super important though you build out, if you're thinking about building a subscription box or you're thinking about pivoting to a subscription model and you're doing quarterly, you have to stay engaged with your subscriber though throughout those three months, right? So there's ways to do that by providing them amazing content. So we'll, We'll do things like how-to videos with some of the items that came in that box, showing them how to use them or how to tie certain tie styles or giving them fashion advice. So what's super important is the experience. So outside of just getting the box, it's keeping that communication with their consumer throughout that quarter, getting them excited about what's coming. And then once they get it, you know, having that excitement and continuing to engage the customer. Customer engagement is truly key uh, in the subscription space as well. Yep, I got to believe it. And that's a great point. It's not just a, I mean, it may be set it and forget it, but if you don't have some aspect of that interaction right. woven into the set it, then you might as well forget it. Well, yeah. And, and, <laughs> and the reason why you want to have that continued interaction is like your best promoters are your subscribers, right? So like, it's like the story of Tom's, uh, Tom's shoes. Like why were they so successful? Because they started the shoe line and they started this cause campaign where they said, for every pair of shoes you're going to buy, we're going to donate a pair, right? Yep. So now what did they do? They built, a, they built a community of salespeople for themselves. So you bought the shoes, Peter, and I see, and I'm like, Peter, those are some sweet shoes. Where'd you get those? And what are you going to say? I got them. I, they're Tom's. And you know what's cool about them is I, for because the, I bought this pair, they're donating a pair to somebody in need. Yep, exactly. And so now all of a sudden – all of these people that bought their shoes are now salespeople for them. Yeah, I mean, it's it. That's just huge because you go beyond a transaction. Yep. And yep. and you make it you make you make it meaningful to their life. The relevance of it is what it's all about. It's the same thing in in elements of advertising, and you know what it it, it occurs to me that. You know, some some aspect of what you're doing has got to be related to advertising because this doesn't happen. None of what you do happens in a vacuum. Give us some insights into uh, into the effectiveness of advertising that you guys have run into over the course of the past couple, three years. Yeah. So, you know, there's the advertising comes in a lot of forms, right? You've got organic, which comes from content and content marketing, and you've got paid, right? And, and yep. a big, big. A big avenue for paid is Facebook, and if you're in the e-commerce space, you're probably advertising in some sort of fashion on Facebook. I mean, it's the it's the number one network for for media. Uh, everybody's on there. There's more subscribers on Facebook than anything else. Um, so, you know, Facebook's been a big driver, uh, but a big part of for us was you know driving as much organic traffic we can and building an amazing community of subscribers and getting those subscribers that continue to talk about us. Having amazing customer service, so um, you know we we probably aren't where I want us to be yet in regards to customer service. But like for us, like our customer service team has ten minutes to respond to somebody that sends us an email between our hours of nine to five Eastern Standard Time. So if you send us a ticket, like we're responding within ten minutes. If you call us, that phone is not going to be ringing and it's not going to go to voicemail. Somebody's going to answer the phone. So you know having that amazing customer service. You know, treating your customers with amazing customer service goes a super long way. Um, I mean, I can give you a perfect example of something we just did yesterday. A, cons a customer called, the wife called, and they um, they had to cancel their subscription because, unfortunately, the subscriber, which was her husband, had a heart attack, and they just at this time they can't afford the subscription. Yeah. Um, 
our head of member experience ran across the street, got a get well card. Our whole team signed it. We're sending it to them with a box. We're just sending them one of our boxes uh, for free along with this card and we're sending it to the customer. Um, that's not the first time we've done anything like that. And I can tell you there was a, there was a time where a lady, had her, her son had passed away and we mm. sent flowers to the funeral. And I mean, she blasted this all over social media. Now that wasn't our intent. No, like, I know. It was just an amazing customer service, right? And yeah, so, exactly. You know, it's providing this amazing customer service for, for people and it can go a long way. I mean, we've done it a hundred times and, and people talk about that. And, and when, when somebody talks about like a brand, we want them to think, you know, gentlemen's box provides this amazing customer service. They care about their subscribers and it's not about, Hey, it's not, this isn't a transaction relationship. This is a, like, this is a community and we're here to help men become better gentlemen. And the only way we can do that is by being a gentlemanly like brand ourselves. And you know what? I, I think, I think that's huge because it's something where without that, uh, you fall into the, you fall into the trap of it being just a transaction and your, your customers are then just kind of a means to an end rather than the actual right. assets that they are. And, uh, and you lose sight of that and you lose sight of how to treat them well. We do the same thing on our side as far as how we treat clients and, uh, and media partners. We do the same thing. We take special events um, that are happening in their lives and we yep. recognize them. And, uh, and I think you're right. It, it, creates, um, it creates champions and it creates uh, people who are, um, who are genuinely uh, tied into and, um, and really uh, strong advocates for. Yeah. And that's, that's what I love hearing about all the things that you're doing. And you know what? It, it flows from not only the products that you that you're doing but the way that you're marketing them the way that you're attending to them and it translates right up through the subscription uh the subscription trade association subta where the purpose there is you know again it's not about you know transactions it's about community and it's yep. about extending that experience um you know this has been uh this has been one of uh one of my most joyful uh, interviews and, uh, and shows. Um, it's been such a pleasure having you as a guest. Um, I appreciated the time, Peter. Oh, believe me, Chris, it, the pleasure is mine. I'm glad that you've had fun too. <laughs> yeah, for sure. One of the things that, uh, that I'd like to do is, uh, just extend the offer to, um, the people in, in your association. Um, you know, if they have an interest, uh, in being interviewed, um, we can probably find a way to get them on the show as well. Yeah, and I think that absolutely. could be great for everyone. Absolutely. Have yourself, uh, have yourself a, a great rest of your day. And for you listening, thank you, so thank you. um, Chris, it's been a pleasure and uh, you've been listening to Business Rules with Peter Feinstein. My guest has been Chris George of Gentleman's Box and Subta. Have yourself a great day. Thanks for tuning in. Bye. Thank you for tuning into Business Rules. Be sure to join Peter Feinstein for another enlightening program next Wednesday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a winning week.